Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 56. How do we make the most of our lives? How do we get 100% out of what God has given us as a wonderful gift? In the Bible, we're constantly urged not to waste our lives, but instead make the most of them. So let's look into some passages and find out how to make the most of our lives. People often ask me what Mother Teresa was like, writes Shane Claiborne in his book, The Irresistible Revolution. Sometimes it's like they wonder if she glowed in the dark or had a halo. She was short, wrinkled and precious, maybe even a little ornery, like a beautiful, wise old granny. But there is one thing I will never forget. Her feet. Her feet were deformed. Every morning I would stare at them. I wondered if she'd contracted leprosy. One day a sister explained, her feet are deformed because we just get enough donated shoes for everyone. A mother does not want anyone to get stuck with the worst pair, so she digs through and finds them. And years of doing this have deformed her feet. Years of loving her neighbour as herself deformed her feet. When people are asked about the person whose life they most admire, so often the answer is Mother Teresa. She made the most of her life. It's a paradox, because her life was a life of self-denial, taking up her cross and following Jesus. Life is an extraordinary and wonderful gift. In the Bible, we are constantly urged not to waste this gift, but instead to make the most of our lives. From Proverbs 6 My son, if you have put up security for your neighbour, if you shaken hands and pledge for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Master Self-Discipline The book of Proverbs gives you practical wisdom on how to make the most of your life and how to avoid wasting it by falling into various traps. In the passage for today, we see two examples. First, master your finances. One of the areas of life that requires self-discipline is our finances. There are always plenty of financial traps and snares, such as unmanageable debt, unwise investment and foolish pledges. The writer urges you that if you have got yourself into a financial muddle, you should do everything in your power to get out of it as soon as possible. Don't waste a minute. You have to humble yourself. You may have to plead your case. Do everything in your power to free yourself from these snares. If we don't get our finances sorted out, it can have a detrimental effect on our lives and on our families. Second, master your time. We can waste our lives through a lack of self-discipline. Without accountability, we can easily become lazy, and this can have disastrous consequences. We can learn self-leadership from the ant. Nobody tells it what to do. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it works extremely hard. It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Of course, it's important to get enough sleep. Our bodies need rest, but we need to be careful not to waste our time in unproductive activity. Lord, give me wisdom in the handling of my finances and my time.
New Testament from Mark 8 and 9. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, but Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Give your life away. Jesus warns his disciples against the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Yeast was a common metaphor for the evil tendency in human beings, which although it might seem only a small thing, nevertheless corrupts the whole person. The disciples still do not understand, because they were so caught up with the physical that they could not see the spiritual. Not that there's anything wrong with physical things in themselves. The blind man wanted to touch Jesus. Jesus did something very physical. He spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him twice. He prayed twice before the man was totally healed. This encourages us to keep on praying more than once for those who are sick. Finally, the disciples understand who Jesus is. You're the Christ. Christos means the Anointed One, the Messiah. In the time of Jesus, the term was particularly associated with the expectation of a new Davidic king. In the Old Testament, however, kings, priests, and prophets were all anointed. Jesus is the fulfillment of them all. He is the king, the great high priest, the prophet. Yet this title, Messiah, was not adequate. Jesus preferred to use the title, Son of Man. Son of Man was an even more majestic and therefore more suitable title. It contained the idea of suffering. The Son of Man was also a representative figure identifying himself with human beings. Then Jesus begins to speak about the cross. We can't understand the cross unless we understand who Jesus is. His teaching is so paradoxical, counterintuitive and surprising that Peter takes him aside to rebuke him. There's a parallel here with the healing of the blind man, which acts as a visual parable of the gradual eye-opening of the disciples. First, Peter's eyes are opened about Jesus' identity. However, he only half understood. He did not yet see Jesus' mission. Peter can see, but he can't fully see. Jesus has to explain to his disciples the extraordinary paradox 
involved in making the most of our lives, of which he is to show the supreme example. He says, if you want to make the most of your life, you have to give it away. You have to abandon your life to his service and the gospel. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. In contrast, he then says that it's possible to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul. The actor Jim Carrey said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Even the biggest multi-billionaires only own a proportion of the world. Jesus warns us that if we're tempted to set out in that direction, even if we top their success and gain the whole world, we could still totally waste our lives and forfeit our souls. He says the way to find life is to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. The words deny yourself mean saying no to yourself. The Christian life involves the challenge of daily denial. The world thinks that the way to life is to deny yourself nothing. Jesus says that the opposite is true. The way to find life is to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. You are called to love. You are to live for God and for other people. And as you give yourself away, God will take care of your life. The teaching of Jesus is radical and revolutionary. It's exactly the opposite to what we'd expect. Yet we see how it works out in practice. Those who seek their own satisfaction end up disillusioned and dissatisfied, having wasted their lives. Those who follow Jesus' teaching find life in all its fullness. Lord, your words are so challenging. Help me each day to learn to deny myself in little things as well as big, and to take up my cross and follow you. Thank you that as I give my life to you, I find life in all its fullness. Old Testament from Exodus 37-38 Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made everything the Lord commanded Moses. With him was Aholiab, son of Ahisamech, of the tribe of Dan an engraver and designer, an embroider in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen. Serve God at work. You do not need to leave your job in order to serve God wholeheartedly. In the life of Bezalel, we see an example of someone who made the most of his life by serving God in his place of work. His daily job was his primary ministry. God fills his people with his spirit for the workplace. I've filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him skill and know-how and expertise in every kind of craft to create designs. He's an all-round craftsman. Bezalel was a sculptor. He was chosen by God to build the tabernacle. He responded to God's call and made everything the Lord commanded Moses. He worked in a team which included a designer called Ohaliab and accomplished great things for God. The key to his success was that he was a man filled with the Spirit of God. It's possible to be a talented musician, writer or artist without being filled with the Spirit. But when the Spirit of God fills people for these tasks, their work often takes on a new dimension. It has a far greater spiritual impact. This can be true even where the natural ability of the musician or artist is not particularly outstanding. Hearts can be touched and lives changed. No doubt something like this happened with Bezalel. Lord, thank you 
for all those who serve you wholeheartedly with their artistic abilities in healthcare, education, business, retail, law, banking, and every other area of the workplace. May we all be filled with the Spirit of God, like Bezalel, and do everything you command us. Help me to make the most of my life. Pippa adds, Proverbs 6 verse 10 says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. I think it sounds rather nice. But then verse 11 comes as a nasty shock, and poverty will come upon you like a thief. I don't want to be caught napping, however tempting it is, and miss out on all that God has in store for me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you've given me my life. Help me to make the most of it. I give you my dreams for the future now, and I lay them before you and say, Your will be done. In Jesus' name, Amen.